What is going on, guys? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host, and I could not be more thrilled to welcome on our guest for today, Mr. Nick Pollock, the creator of Pitcher List. You guys know him from all of the tons of content that he puts out there. Nick, thank you so much for being with us today. What is happening, Joe? Thank you so much for the invite, and thanks for bearing with me as I gave you an interruption. You were doing a great intro, and I stopped it. But we picked it back up. We have the energy still. Uh, no, I'm just excited to be here. And yeah, we're going to talk some pitching. Can't wait. No, yeah. Usually when I record, sometimes I end up recording five, six, seven intros because sometimes it just doesn't feel right. So you give me a chance to do it over again. So it's probably for the best. <laughs> Let, let's. Uh, we're going to talk today about a couple of pitchers who have been performing probably a little bit better than expected and also a couple who have not quite been up to par. And I think we're going to start with Miles, and I, I, I always butcher his name, and even though I hear it on the broadcast and I hear it sometimes put slightly differently, Miles Michaelis, is it Michaelis? It's, it's Michaelis. Michaelis? Miles Michaelis. Michaelis. Maybe it's just listening yeah. to the Blue Jays broadcast. Well, do, do you today. roster him on a team? I don't. I don't yeah, have Yeah, because then you shares. would say he's Michaelis, right? My- Instead of Yorkalis. <laughs> yeah. I, so now I, you won't forget. <laughs> that's honestly a really good way of putting it and I think maybe listen to the Blue Jays broadcast the other night they pronounced it a few different ways so maybe that's mm. why I was a little bit off he has not really been this good to this point in his career and he's kind of been fantastic to this point what what have you seen in him that has changed from years past and do you expect it to continue yeah um well the second part is pretty simple no and I don't think anyone that has Miles Michaelis at the moment believes it either. Uh, you know, it, it can be put down to this as Sinker is allowing a 203 batting average thus far after being around 275 or so in years past. Maybe it's the Cardinals defense that is doing wonderful things again. And I certainly undervalued it in 2021 that helped Adam Wainwright be who he was. And Michaelis is just pitching effectively at the moment but if anyone sits here and expects anything remotely close to a two era but even honestly a three era moving forward i think that's a little suspect um can he put up a three six the rest of the way sure why not uh, i still think that michaelis is someone that you don't blindly start you start a matchup base and you sit him against those tough offenses but you should be just generally happy especially in quality start leagues he should be able to give you a good chance to go six uh, with a decent ERA every single time out. Just uh, sell high if someone is thinking that Miles Michaelis can hint anywhere close to the 196 and .98 whip that he has now. Yeah, he's put together a couple of good starts in a row against good teams, against the Mets and the Blue Jays, going, like you said, quality starts in both of them. And he has, uh, from years past, increased his strikeouts a little bit. And I don't know if we're going to see that continue, but I, I agree with you. It's a good chance to sell high after a couple of good starts. Yeah. Well, is there anybody in particular you'd be trying to target if you're trying to trade him and redraft? Well, athletes? I mean, on the on the topic of the strikeouts, what I didn't mention is the four-seamer has been elevated a little bit more recently. So like a 50, 54% high location um, on that four-seamer as opposed to about 43 45% in previous years, which has led to a jump in its swing strike rate to 11.6%. Yet, we're still talking about like a 19% strikeout rate. So yeah. it's not something huge and massive. And now here comes Michaels Michaelis. It's nice that that's working, but it's not something that is truly exceptional. And while his, his slider is getting that 40% O swing, uh, it's still a low 11% swing strike rate. So it just means, hey, it's easier uh, to handle in, in play. Uh, it's not necessarily something that 
I would really latch on to, though, to think like, oh, all this contact is totally going to go his way moving forward at 247 BABIP right now. Even with that good defense last year, it was a 276. I think something gives in that way that he won't hold a 7 hit per 9. Um, if I were selling, I, I, I never have a certain player in mind. How I always do it is if I have Miles Michaelis and I'm looking to sell him to, uh, you know, I have too much pitching, whatever it is, I never go to another pitcher. I always go for another hitter. It muddies the waters. It's harder to translate exact value. So I would go, I would find a, a manager who has a, a backup at a position. Uh, so let's say they have two third basemen and B, someone who needs the needs Michaelis is actually hurting and pitching and try and find that right fit of, hey, they can give up this hitter and they need Michaelis and it's someone of decent value. Um, how you translate what, value the hitter is is up to you but obviously it's not going to be a stud hitter don't go crazy here but also i wouldn't be giving up uh michaelis just for some bench spot it would actually be a starter considering how consistent he has been for your team thus far so you expect that he'll be someone who can be a rosterable player throughout the season or do you expect that he'll be on on waiver wires by the michaelis, end michaelis i that's a good question either way uh, uh what do i expect by the end i'd say at the very end he'd be a toby right and that's kind of what he is now that is someone who you're going to be looking at the wire every week and thinking, ah, what's the matchup this week? Oh, he's going against, I don't know if I really want to start him against the Giants this week. I might want to stream that other guy instead. That's where I think we'll eventually land on Miles Michaelis. Okay, let's, uh, good. we dove into the, him enough there, I think. Let's move on to someone who has actually been not too bad uh, going back to last season. But Eric Lauer, he's really upped his game this year to this point. Would you expect this to continue? I mean, his strikeout rate is just about 33% right now. That I don't think that'll continue. But do you expect him to continue to be excellent? Or is there a, a, a bridge, a fall coming, I should say? Yeah, isn't it cool how well, like, I mean, he's striking out so many guys. I was, it's kind of funny. You know those times when you say something about a player in the offseason? They're like, oh, I really like this guy. This is going to work out because X, Y, and Z. And then they do really well. And then people think, oh, man, you were right. I was like, but I wasn't because I didn't expect him to all of a sudden add a tick and a half to his fastball, you know? And so with Eric Lauer last year, he added a full tick on his fastball, the 92.5 from 91.5. And it, we saw a 14% swing strike rate all of a sudden, like, Whoa, hold on a second. That's really cool. on that four seamer. So I, I, I thought, Hey, Eric Lauer might be someone who's decent. You know, and he's not necessarily going to be this amazing guy, but you know, this is better than a lot. I think of other guys that you might be chasing um, at the end of your drafts that you might as well try to get that strikeout upside of Lauer. Then he goes and adds another 1.5 ticks. Now he's at 94 on that four-seamer and moved it from a 14% swing strike rate to a 20% swing strike rate. It is the number one four-seamer regarding swing strike rate in the majors among starting pitchers. That's insane from Eric Lauer. So while I don't necessarily think that's going to be the story the entire year, I think it would be kind of foolish to think all of a sudden he's going to go down to a 14%. Same thing as last year at this point. He clearly has found something to get that extra velocity. He talked about changes in mechanics last year by just mimicking Araldus Chapman. And there's something to it that does make me feel like I need to hold on to Eric Lauer. I don't think I'm selling him. I don't think you can sell him for something that is relative to this value that he is generating for you now. And when the dip does come, because it should come in some fashion, 216 ERA, 0.95 whip, 33% K rate, as you mentioned. It's not going to be this dramatic one. It's not going to be one where you want to send him to the wire. I believe that entire year, especially if Eric Lauer is holding onto that velocity, which he easily could, that he's going to be a very productive starting pitcher for your squad. 
they've done the Brewers have done a phenomenal job over the last couple of years in their development of pitching. They have five or six viable starters. I mean, more than viable at the front end there, but definitely when you get down to Aaron Ashby, who's been a popular ad today, mm. um, we can talk oh, about I him love as well. Aaron Ashby. Give him about two starts to get into his group, but he's going to be great. Are you thinking he's an ad everywhere? I'm thinking he oh, yeah. probably yes. should be. Yeah. yeah so you got it. You got that Aaron Ashby. I've been, I've been, uh, the whole joke is that I was at a meetup, a pitch list meetup last year. And then during the dinner of it, I literally had my phone out. And instead of talking to people, I watched the game of Aaron Ashby because I was so obsessed with him last year. As we're recording this right now, they're actually just uh, getting off. Uh, yeah. They've just started the game there in San Diego. So oh, right. Oh, hopefully, right. hopefully we get a good result from him there. Tough lineup, but uh, I think regardless, he needs to be rostered going forward there. Um, going back to Lauer, is there anything else you want to touch on or are you good to uh, move on I mean, there? It's, it's nice to see that the sliders also increased, uh, in swing strike rate to 18% from 11 last year. I don't know if that's something we can believe in as much. I, uh, but he is doing a much better job of getting that one down and away to lefties and inside to righties. The glove location is far higher um, than it was in previous years, which to me suggests that he is going for whiffs a little bit more than he used to. So I'm a fan of that, um, and maybe it does mean that the 18% swing strike rate holds there so that it can be close to 30% of a strike rate as opposed to 25%. He's also lowered his walks to just under 5%, which mm. is definitely a career high there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So good to see. Let's go on to someone else who I personally have a lot of shares of, and I have loved watching him this year, Nasty Nestor Cortez. <laughs> Do you think we will be able to see this going forward, or is this a massive sell-high moment for you? I think it is a bit of a sell-high moment, and I know a lot of people will be upset about that. Um, I think a lot of the hype has come from this tweet from Andrew McCutcheon talking about how his fastball plays up a lot, how effective it can be. And the fear I have is that maybe the fastball has its moments, but sometimes it's just not there. The last start we had was on Saturday against the White Sox, where he earned two out of 46 whiffs on that four-seamer. And I think that's a good indication of saying, hey, this isn't always going to be that offering from now. He's going to have those times where he's going to blow guys away with uh, with his command of these pitches. Um, as it was against Baltimore and Texas. He fanned at least 11 in each of those games with cutters inside to righties and backdooring them and the four seamers up and then sliders falling into the zone for strikes. And it's great when it's all coming together, but. I do worry if, if there's going to be a little bit more uh, volatility as we go deeper in the season. The command isn't as uh, frequent, I should say. And I won't ever say that Nestor's going to be a drop, but I've had some conversations with people that really want me to push up Nestor Cortez on the list, and I can't do that. So if someone is treating Nestor, Nestor Cortez like a, I don't know, SP3 or SP2 even right now, then yeah, I would go and uh, cash in on that. Where do you have him roughly in your uh, rest of season? I think I have, him, I have him about 30. Now, keep in mind, it's not rest of season. It's uh, if I were drafting today because okay. rest of season implies best ball, Okay, if that makes sense. And yeah, I, yeah. And we are not in best ball leagues. It's the greatest myth of fantasy baseball is that you're drafting for a best ball league. You know, all oh. the projections, all that stuff, the fantasy pros, where you're ranking your league. Like, that's all best ball stuff stuff and it's not how we play yeah best ball is best ball is a a little too hands-off for me i'm definitely uh like to be a lot more active 
Oh yeah, no for the week like for NFBC stuff. I prefer basketball just because I hate changing lineups on Sundays. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no the daily league with uh with recurring free agents uh as opposed to like a waiver every day is by far my favorite method. Oh yeah, I actually prefer um when there's no waivers. I, that's my favorite kind like of method. Ever someone drops them, you can pick them up right away. Well, okay, there there there's I kind of I'm okay either way with it. I guess I kind of lean towards having waivers, but I like if you look at your lineup, especially on a Sunday if you need whatever stat. Uh this is talking about head-to-head leagues. Yeah. And you see you've got a couple of guys sitting, maybe it's you need a stolen base and you got Tommy Edmond and he's sitting that day or whatever, you need to plug somebody in there. I hate the fact that you can't add somebody if it's just oh, like I'm a, with you completely. last second right. kind of thing like that. So yeah, I'm in both uh, kind of leagues, but I, I think I do lean towards being able to just add somebody right away without the whole waiver process. Can't agree more. Way better. The, the only problem is that if you have, uh, there are certain leagues where you just got to understand that people are busy and uh, to favor one person who's working at home as opposed to someone who's not, yeah, it can be unfair, and I understand that. Yeah, no, there's definitely arguments for both. This is more for uh, personal preference. I'm with you. Yeah, more for personal preference. There. Let's talk about one more overachiever before we get into some of the disappointments. Martin Perez. We've seen a lot of improvements in his game so far this year. Do you think this will continue with him? Uh, Martin Perez is a guy who uh, is a quintessential Vargas rule. That is a pitcher we don't expect to survive the entire year, but because he's on a good roll, you keep rolling with him until he hits the wall. Then you let go of him. And a Vargas rule more specifically can be defined by a pitcher who does not have excellent stuff. Uh, not a high strikeout guy typically, but is surviving by featuring the best command he's had and being in rhythm with that. And if you want a good example of it, just look at Martin Perez's changeups that are just precise down and away to righties. Uh, it's insane how good Martin Perez has been lately, throwing those changeups down an arm side. And it's just that's what you're that's good pitching. That's it. You know, as, as long as you do that, you're able to beat the Astros twice, you know, put pitches where you want constantly. I think it's going to go away. You know, I don't think Martin Perez is going to have exactly the same feel for the entire year, but he's certainly in one right now and write it for as long as you want. If someone thinks that, oh, no, again, Martin Perez, I've got my locked starter through the year, then no. But I also don't really expect fantasy managers in your leagues to really treat him like that. So I'd say just roll with it. And, you know, when it doesn't work anymore, you just go get the next thing. Yeah, I think it's a good time to maybe try and package him up and sell him with somebody. Maybe not on his Mm. own. He's not going to hold enough value. But if you package him up with somebody coming off of that uh, complete game, maybe you can squeeze a bit of value out of him there. Maybe you can, yeah. For someone who's, what is he, 31, 32, never had one really fantasy relevant season. So it is probably more of a mirage than uh, a true I remember Martin Perez. He, I, I think he's 31 now. Um, I think it was 2019, maybe. He was with the the Twins, and the first couple months, he had extra velocity all of a sudden. And I remember being like, what? What is this? You know, he was throwing 92.8 in 2018, also 94 in change in 2019. And I was, I was so interested, and then just fell apart in the second half. I mean, really fell apart. There's a reason he has a, a 5.12 year A in 2019 yeah and the career era is what are we talking about 458 so never really someone uh, you can rely on I, I, is there anything that you can like i know we talked about a little bit but I, I don't really understand how he's had success to this point like it's it's i know you talk about the change up 
but it it still doesn't you don't really understand how good that changeup is. It you doesn't get a seventy one percent strike rate and never throw it in the heart of the zone. Literally, 06 percent heart percentage. That means when he throws a hundred of them, only point six of them actually land in the heart of the plate. That's pretty incredible. The average for a uh, for a changeup is at least four of them. So it, it, he's doing such a good job at precisely placing this pitch right now. And uh, you got to you gotta praise him for it. Okay, let's talk about now some guys who have underachieved a little bit. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Jose Barrios, you think that we don't have to worry about Jose and he will bounce back soon? Well, I give him the nickname the Great Undulator because every single year he fluctuates from being amazing and then bad and then amazing and bad. He just always without fail rotates between the two uh it's why you see these eras roughly around a three seven through his career and it's not the full season of being a three seven it's a season of being a two five guy and a four five guy and then eventually landing a three seven so right now we saw in the beginning of the year that jose brios was well he had a couple of these bad starts he had two bad starts to start the year then three good ones then two bad ones and now two good ones and that's jose brios even the last one against st louis yes it was 300 runs but seven strikeouts and only seven base runners in 6.1 innings. Had a good curveball working for 30% CSW. I liked what I saw in that game uh, from Barrios. Uh, decent changeups as t- at times as well. Good locations of fastball, really jammed guys uh, in, inside the lefties. I think that Barrios is on a good trend at the moment. And anyone that sees Barrios right now and thinks, oh, this is different than the guy you that I drafted. No, this is exactly the guy that you drafted. You're just seeing it in a weird package moment, uh, nine starts into the season, and you're not seeing it when it's at the end, when you look back and go, oh, huh, I guess all- he was all right after all. That's uh, that's who Jose Barrios is. Are you worried at all about the strikeouts being down 16% this no, year? Is- it's no. just it's the nature of it. It'll go back up. Okay. Um, he, is there... I guess... I'm not too worried, but at the same time, I'm definitely not thrilled. I do have him in both points and category leagues. And to this point, I mean, you can't really sell him. There's no, uh, you just kind of have, is that what you would do? I guess you have to kind of wait it out or there's not. Barrios? I'd be buying him. You'd be buying him? I'm buying Barrios everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's about, you know, you can look at whatever he's done so far this year. I believe it's like a 17% strikeout rate for Jose Barrios. Uh, 16.8, yeah. Yeah, forget all of it. Forget all of that stuff. Jose Barrios right now is the same player as he was on draft day to me. So, from moving forward at this point, I'm in, right? And if everyone's going to be treating these nine starts as if this is something different now, no. He just had seven strikeouts in 6.1 innings. You worried about the striker rate? I'm not. You know, he's he's fine. He's, he's totally the same dude. So, go off again. Whatever you would have spent then, great. You can probably get him at a discount. And I think- I'd go and get him. I think I'm just a little bit more worried about him because I am a Blue Jay fan, and I <laughs> I was I was there on opening day. And... Oh yeah, well that was rough, right? Imagine <laughs> that. Imagine what I, I'm curious actually what his ERA would be if we removed that opening day point two starts, you know, point two innings rather. I uh, that might actually be you know that's a four oh two ERA with one thirty four WHIP. Um, so we're already getting really close to the great undulator that is at three seven. If you remove that first first game, yeah, right? okay, like yeah. one good start away at that point. Like yeah, that's, talk, that's what I'm trying to get at. You talked me into it. 
I think I think uh, I think I might try and uh, buy him in a couple other leagues. I already have him quite a few shares, but I think we'll see what we can do tonight. Let's talk about Alex Cobb, who is someone I can't I can't even begin to explain. Maybe <laughs> you maybe you can figure it out. How are the advanced numbers so good yet the ERA sits at six point two five? Yeah, it's this wonderful thing called the hotel that is the Holy Trinity equating luck, and it is. I mean. Look, I'm sure everybody listening to this has, has heard a lot of people talk about Alex Cobb already, but you're not supposed to have a 411 BABIP and a 49% left on base rate. The normal left on base rate is supposed to be around 72%. 49 is an atrocity, and it's just unjust. A BABIP, his BABIP is supposed to be around 300 or so, you know, maybe a little bit underneath that. Right now, 411. 411 BABIP, again, an atrocity. It's so low. I the main thing here is just go watch that that third inning against the Mets. I put it up a video of me dealing with it. The pain is two infield singles that didn't even make it to the infield dirt. A double that looked like it was a foul ball. I even skipped it because I thought it was foul and it wasn't. And Darren Ruff missed it and, and like turned into a double. Then a first pitch curveball, which is a standard affair from Cobb that Pete Alonso was just really smart on and hit it for a three run jack. And there you go. It's all messed up now, right? That's <laughs> start Alex Cobb. He gets the Reds next. You're going to feel good with us. He's still throwing harder. Yeah. He's someone in my, in my piece I wrote on the weekend, I talked about him as being a strong uh, two-start guy for this week. I feel like, uh, I feel like kind of an ass, but uh, <laughs> I mean, no. what, what can you really do with the expect- Never Joe, never. Don't let, don't let the performance of players affect your emotions, your well being. It's so important. These are humans and you're human too. It's so easy for us to get attached to them. As if they're, how they perform is is on us. We're just having True. a discussion, right? You're not in the business of being right. I'm not in the business of being right. We're in the business of good discussion. And we enjoy this. And we want to talk about it. And that's really fun. But no, it's, it stinks that Cobb did poorly. You know, I would have started him too. So it's going to happen. Yeah. It does You're make me feel... Joe. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. It does make me feel a little bit better. I mentioned Tyler Anderson in that same piece. So I can... I can yeah, there you go. I can yeah. put my head on the pillow at night. Uh, let's yeah. talk about uh, his teammate, Alex Wood. I was really big on him heading into the season, and he has not been great to this point. Do you think he is someone you can buy on? Do you think he'll turn I, it around? I kind of would buy Alex Wood, too. He gets the Reds, and the same kind of thing as, as Cobb. Start them both against the Reds. I think they should do well. I think Cobb has gotten some really bad luck when it comes to the opponent, too. He's had to face the Dodgers and Coors and the lefty-mashing Padres, and those are pretty much the bad starts that he's had this year. Uh, it might surprise you to hear that uh, all but two of his starts have been three runs or fewer. Uh, and I think that his stuff is still good. You know, it's a 92 mile per hour fastball, actually sometimes 93. Um, that's even higher than it was last year. His slider is not quite at the same level of last season. It was 22% swing strike rate down to 15% now, but it still gets a 40% O swing, still has a 48% zone rate, still has a 70% strike rate. And I think that the batting average allowed of 318, uh, sorry, 314 is going to go way down as that Babbitt is 405 right now. That's just not what it's supposed to be. So Wood is honestly the one that is more actionable because I think that people have talked so much about Alex Cobb's BABIP, but not the 382 of Alex Wood. And I think that you're going to see improvement from both of these guys moving forward. I would tend to agree. I really like Alex Wood. And I think when you look at the Giants and the way that they develop pitching and the way that they not only develop pitching, but take pitchers from other locations who haven't been quite as successful and then completely turn them around. I know he was there last year, but I have a lot of faith in the way that they uh, that they handle their pitchers that come through the organization. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. I mean, I really dig uh, both of these Alex's. Alex squared. 
in, uh, in San Francisco. Alex Squared. Maybe I'll try and work that into the title somehow. <laughs> uh, let's talk about one more guy here who I was really big on last year. So last year I added him as a closer and then he was worked into a starter. And I was kind of thought I was uh, shit out of luck. Uh, pardon my French. And yeah, then come on, don't you know who I am? And then, and then no cursing. No, I'm just, and then your podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. <laughs> I, uh, I added him as a closer and then they worked him out as a starter and it kind of worried me. And then he was, he was fantastic as a starter. We're talking about Ranger Suarez. He has not quite been as good this year. Not at all been as good this year as he was to end last year. You think that was just a, a that one-off was thing? Rule. That was a Vargas rule is what it was. Yeah. And I watched a lot of those games because I had so many questions about it. I remember even as it was going on, I was behind on it because I didn't really believe that his stuff was that good. And uh, he rolled with it, a really good schedule, um, but he did a really good job of avoiding the heart of the plate. Like we were talking about the Martin Perez, Ranger Suarez was just in a really good groove. Now he also had a better changeup than he's had thus far. So I see Ranger Suarez as someone who over time will get better. He's, uh, is, I think two starts ago, had a really good changeup. Again, didn't have it this past one. But I do believe that over time, Ranger Suarez will be beneficial, and he'll be a good guy to start against weak opponents. Just it's not the one five two year ERA or whatever it was from last year. That's just not that's not who he is. It was a Vargas rule, and then the season ended, and we didn't see it fall apart. Do you? So you don't see him as a must roster guy. You see him as more of a streamer. Yeah, I see him as a Toby. Uh, <laughs> to me, is a fringe guy that I understand you can hold on to, and that's fine. I feel free to do that, but. Yeah, I'm not starting him blindly. I'm just I'm playing it uh, matchup by matchup. I think I think that makes sense. I had him in a couple of leagues. Uh, one of them was more shallow, and I've dropped him. But I do I do understand holding on. I still remember vividly last year him really being beneficial first as a relief pitcher and then as a starter. So definitely, uh, I tend to hang on to performances from earlier in the season than last year and hope that they can be replicated. Uh, I can't think of another example. Well, Brian Reynolds at the moment, uh, not a pitcher. But someone who was great who? last. I don't. I don't. I'm not. He was great last. He's an outfielder for the Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He was great last year. He hasn't been good this year, and I'm getting a lot of questions about dropping him. And you know, I don't want to because he was good last year, and you think you're going to be able to get a replica of last year. But we, don't, I don't really know. Uh, for those of you who've asked about Brian Reynolds, I know this is a pitching episode, but I, I don't know about Brian Reynolds. Unbelievable, honestly. Joe. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've committed a, a cardinal sin of talking about a position <laughs> player with Nick. Yep. It will not happen again. We hope to have Nick on again at some point in the future. We've been talking with Nick Pollock here, the founder of Pitchers List. He's a former college pitcher and pitching coach, right? You were a pitching coach? Yes, I was uh, here in Park Slope, Brooklyn, uh, and also coached the travel baseball team here. If you want someone who is life is completely committed uh, to baseball, you guys want to go follow Nick at Pitchers List on Twitter. He is packed with content, not just him, but all the great writers and podcasters, analysts, everybody who works for Pitchers List, they all put out great content. So you guys should go and follow him and go follow all the other people who work for Pitchers List. You guys can find them. I believe if you go through Nick's uh, Twitter feed, you'll see a lot of people who work for Pitchers List. So go ahead and give them a follow. Thank you guys for being here with us. And of course, thank you, Nick, for joining us on this episode. Very special edition. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And everybody listening, you should go to Apple, make sure that you leave a rating or review for Fantasy MLB today. Support what Joe is doing. Does great work with this, uh, and it's an absolute honor. Yes, come on by to Pitcher List. 
We have so many people writing amazing work. I, I, I make the joke that I hired over 100 people so that they can write about everything that isn't starting pitching. So that I don't have to. And they do such a good job with it. So, yeah, come check it out. Again, thank you, Nick, for being with us. Guys, rate, download, subscribe. Follow on Twitter. I'll give you my handle one more time, at JoeOrico99. Hit the follow button there. Again, do all that good stuff, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everyone.